This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 136 with Corey Reed and Mike Becker. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 136. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day. Because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. This episode of the Shameless Mom Academy is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is an app that brings your workouts right into your earbuds by syncing the motivational guidance of a personal trainer with the perfect playlist to bring you an elevated, on-demand audio fitness experience. Today, Corey Reed and Mike Becker are here to talk about their new book, Zag Zig Parenting, Misadventures of a Career-Driven Mom and a Stay-at-Home Dad. Zag Zig Parenting invites you to explore a married couple's contemporary perspective on parenting through comical vignettes that share their differences, struggles, and mistakes. Written by Corey, a career-driven mom of four children, with commentary from Mike, a 20-year stay-at-home dad, this book shows work-life integration from a different lens and creates a positive environment to reimagine the family framework. These vulnerable stories about life as a non-traditional family aim to paint a picture of everyday chaos that provides comic relief and permits parents to thrive as they embrace their perceived shortcomings in the context of work-family flow, because parenting issues do not discriminate. I had a great time talking with Corey and Mike. We definitely shared a few good laughs and it was fun to hear about them on the other end of their parenting journey from where I'm at with a four-year-old. They have four children, ages 21, 19, 17, and 14. So they're definitely experiencing parenthood in a very different way and with so much more experience than I have experienced it up to this point. So let's go ahead and listen to Corey and Mike share how they both started to find traditional gender roles at the age of 16 
when they started dating, by the way, how parents with two very different personality types can successfully find their parenting groove, what family management looks like for a stay-at-home dad and a career-driven mom, the purpose and the power of therapy, how Corey learned to juggle being a present parent and a career-focused mom, what Mike loved about staying home with four kids over the course of 20 years, and Mike's biggest parenting secret when it comes to minimizing overwhelm and chaos. Corey and Mike's main mission with this book is to help families reimagine stereotypes so that all modern families can thrive. So let's go ahead and dive in with Corey and Mike. Corey Reed and Mike Becker, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy that you're joining us today. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, this thank is, you, Sarah. It's nice to be here. It's always fun to have two people at one time. And we've done this a few times recently, and it's been so fun for me. So I'm really excited about having another dynamic duo on the show. <laughs> thank you. We'll we, we hope, that. Yeah, we hope we don't <laughs> let you down on that yeah. one. <laughs> now you have to be really on top of your game. Now yeah, that I've exactly. called you a dynamic duo, <laughs> you're basically superheroes now. So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> So let's go ahead and dive in. Tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio. And what are you most excited about right now? Yeah, so I'll start, Corey, this is me. For, for me personally, my purpose is about seeing things in new and creative ways and then connecting people, insights, and ideas to bring them to life. So for Mike and I, I think what's really exciting is about this whole idea of reimagining family of stereotypes so that all modern families can thrive. And I think that's really important because as you know, Sarah, even though the stereotype of a traditional family is stay at home mom and working dad, it really doesn't reflect today's dynamics in society. And while Mike and I aren't suggesting by this book that people should be in a dynamic with ours, like a working a career mom and a stay at home dad, I do think we wanna open up the dialogue that there are different ways to family and we all manage chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And yes, <laughs> I totally agree. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. And so I think that, so related to that for us, what we talk about is most people zigzag through life, right? Anyone that has kids or even if you don't have kids, you have dogs, whatever in your right. life, we all have this idea of a straight plan um, mm -hmm. at the beginning of the day or the beginning of our lives early on. And then all of a sudden we have to get pretty good at zigzagging through life, life happens, because that yeah. life happens. Totally. And, uh, and so for us, we just talk about, we say that we zag zig because for us, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in our family, the reason we wrote zag zig parenting, this adventures of a career driven mom and a stay at home dad is that for 20 years, I was the career driven working mom. And Mike has been the stay at home primary caregiver to our four children and he did this 20 years ago when it wasn't really talked about a lot. And for us, that was really just exciting to bring that to life. But more so, we call it misadventures because that's why I love your title, Shameless Mom, yeah. Sarah, because we feel like that too. It's like this is the barefaced, undisguised, transparent view of how we live. I love that. And I love what you said earlier about kind of breaking through stereotypes and the shift in stereotypes, because I think even within the stereotypes around stay-at-home moms, I see so many women who are staying at home now who are doing a lot within the stay-at-home mom role that is not in line with the traditional stay-at-home mom role. And so, and this would go for stay-at-home dads as well, but the stay-at-home model I think is shifting where like a lot of parents who stay home are they have some sort of maybe side hustle or side gig or they're doing something. So there's just, I think there's a lot of molds being broken right now in traditional parenting and just, you know, generations of past stereotypes around what staying home with the kids means. And I think that's such a great thing. 
Yeah. Yes, Sarah, I can totally relate to that, especially from my perspective as being at home with my kids for so long. When I kind of started, there were a few examples for me to lean on to say, how do you do this as a stay-at-home dad? And now there's so many dads that are doing this and they are trailblazing and doing just such an awesome job of, you know, staying home, taking care of the kids, doing other stuff too, that it's been great to see. Yeah. I think for us, we weren't writing this as we're experts. We certainly laugh. We've learned some things over time, like anyone that experiences new things in life. But for us, it was really about paying it forward, that there have been great people in our lives that have helped us look at different things, different ways. And so for us, there were just funny stories that happened to us that we thought along the way that we thought, hey, it can be really stressful living up to this stereotype or how people think should happen. And again, what I love about your idea of shameless and about being transparent is that we live in a society right now with Facebook and Instagram filters that people (laughs) think are perfect. And let's face it, they aren't. Right. And I was willing to put myself in stories where I kind of look ridiculous at times. But my thought was, if it makes a mom or a parent feel better about themselves, then that was really my passion yeah. around starting it. I love and I think that. why why he included his commentary too. <laughs> so let's go into a little bit. Did you have something to add to that, Mike? No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I would love to dive a little bit into the history behind the book and talk a little bit about have each of you share your experience as the working mom. And I could tell just from the way you described your work, Corey, that I can tell that you are like total go-getter, like high energy and super focused career mom. And I would love to hear about that. And then, and what that has looked like, you know, maybe what that looked like when you first started out 20 years ago as a parent. And then Mike, what did it look like for you in that stay-at-home dad role 20 years ago? And a little bit about how that's evolved. And if there's some stories in there about chaos and craziness, I mean, feel free to throw those in. Yeah, those are every day, Sarah. So just a little bit of background. Mike and I met when we were 16. We met in high school. Oh my gosh, I love that. And at the time I had said, I wanted to, let me put this in the book a bit, but I said I wanted to marry someone who would stay home with the kids. At the time I was editor of the high school paper. I was, you know, uh, head of the pet club, head of the homecoming committee, whatever it is. And then Mike can tell you what he said as a 16 year old at the time. Yeah, I said, whatever was going to make her happy. Sure. I'd stay home and eat bonbons and go golf every day. Sure. <laughs> I, is, that's that? exactly how it played out, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Bonbons right? and golf. Yeah. So we went to different colleges, ended up like, geez, or Mike in the book that he just wouldn't go away from me. So when he asked me, I said, fine, I'll marry him. You know? <laughs> and really that, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> three years after we got married, we had our first child. And I think I was about seven months pregnant. Now in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I've married someone who's going to stay home with the kids. I'm, my life dream is going to happen. And then this man next to me tells his type A seven-month pregnant wife that he doesn't think he can do it. And oh um, he can tell you his reaction. Yeah, that, that was probably not the best decision on part. but <laughs> Not well-timed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. But <laughs> but a, lot, we, a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we look back now and we say we actually at that first year had a wonderful daycare lady who we write about taught us many things in life about being better parents. And so for us... Um, You know, we did that the first year, but then we got transferred with my job to the East Coast of the country. And at that time, we were expecting number two. And I said, hey, Mike, will you try it? We're going to live in a small town in Southern Virginia. The cost of daycare alone for two kids would have eaten up Mike's salary. And so that's what led us to really, truly starting it. 
Okay. And that first year we joke around was rough. We can joke around now. (laughs) (laughs) But that first year, Mike was taking care of the two kids. I was working, still doing all those quote unquote traditional roles that a woman does, doing the grocery shopping, meal planning. Every Saturday morning, I'd wake up and say, let's clean the house. And Mike absolutely loved that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure. He's not responding, but that's good. (laughs) He's walking down memory lane with that chaos. He's Mm -hmm. silently Um, rolling his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. And then we read this book. I read a book, Looking for Sanity, called The Family Manager by Kathy Peel. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I handed it to Mike and said, look, you've been promoted. You're now the family manager, which I joke around in the book. I'm like, it's not great to do that to your spouse. I don't recommend it. We went through marital counseling after that, but we're still married, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> well, you know, that's so interesting, though. Oh, my God. Okay, so there's two things I have to touch on here. I want to get back to this idea of family manager because I talk about this a lot. And I talk mm-hmm. about how it is no one ever talks about this designation and this role in the family and it's so crucial. So I want to get back to that in a minute. I want to step back for just a minute though, because we have to touch on this, that you were 16 years old and knew that you wanted to be a working mom and you knew that um, Corey, I'm referring to you at this point, but yeah. you knew you wanted to be a working mom. You knew you wanted a spouse that would stay home. Also Mike at 16, you were like, okay, sure. Like these roles at that age and given what that was 20 years ago, that is just mind-boggling to me because not only were you that like just so young to have such clear ideas in your head but also that those were like totally against the grain 20 years ago so for either of you or both of you like where do you think that we're already breaking molds at such young ages and totally comfortable with that well for me actually I am really not sure where I got my parenting instinct I'm an only child okay and so I wasn't even around it, any other kids mostly growing up. So, you know, for me, I just figured, well, yeah, sure, that would be great. But I just really never thought that would be something she'd want me to do. So, yeah, Sarah, you can tell with Mike here that I think maybe early on, he didn't realize that when I said I meant something, I really meant it. (laughs) (laughs) So he was just like, yeah, sure. If you'll marry me, sure, whatever. (laughs) But I have to do, look, I do give him a lot of credit. You know, when we were younger, what? Mr. Mom, like Michael Keaton was on TV, right? Yeah, and yeah. So, and so I don't know what drove me. I was joking around that my mom, who unfortunately passed two years old from a heart attack, mm. she was just always said to me when I was younger, you know, color outside the lines. Lines are just suggestions. You know, if you want to make the sky green, make it green. So my mom was really encouraging to think outside of the box. Okay. And for me, I really enjoyed the challenge of some kind of work, whether I was editor of the paper, whether I was captain of the softball team, there was just something I really enjoyed about it. And I also loved kids. And we fortunately, when we were older near marriage, agreed that we wanted four kids. So that wasn't really a question. Okay. I think we just went in. I was thinking right away that what he said at 16 was really going to be true at 27. And maybe that wasn't the case. (laughs) You're not allowed to change your mind from like your mid teen years to your young adult years. She remembers everything. (laughs) But we do also say, you know, I do think negotiating on roles is extremely important. You're absolutely right, Sarah. And we are very open about the fact that we went to counseling. I often think about, gosh, you know, we met when we were 16, got married at like 23, 24, had our first kid at 27. And so for, Us, I think having a child was a major change in itself, right? I think when you have that, and I think you even reference it on your site too. I read some stuff that all of a sudden you're like, whoa, it can really kick your ass, you know? 100%. And even (laughs) when you think you're really ready and you're like, I mean, it took us two years to get pregnant. I was like, I should be so grateful for this and I'm dying. (laughs) Yes. 
No, and I think that's the other side people don't talk about. There's this joy, but it's also a major change in your life. And I always say to young people, if they're women returning back to work, and I said, the hardest thing when you return back to work is your life has changed 180, right? Your life is totally different. You're now putting this child first. You're thinking about them first. But when you go back to work, it's like you're walking in like it was yesterday (laughs) and people still want those demands from you. And so it's hard to adjust to that. And then for us as a couple to really adjust to that new situation where we used to love Sunday mornings, just kicking back and reading the paper and having fun. Then all of a sudden we're up at, you know, two, four, six in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lack of sleep. And so we often say, hey, people should shy away from counseling. It's been a good part part of our life. We go for tune-ups every once in a while too. And I love destigmatizing therapy because I think that it's something everyone can benefit from. And I've actually, I've talked about my own experience with therapy and how I recently fired my therapist. (laughs) But but I think that it's like a phenomenal, I mean, it was still a great experience for me in spite of the firing. I think it's a really powerful experience. And I think that there's things to be benefited from for everyone. And I think that anyone can benefit from therapy. So I really appreciate you mentioning that and, and acknowledging that that was part of what helped you guys work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Renegotiating those roles. You mentioned even that, and I'm agreeing with you that family manager role. And I think more people that are there should have that role. And we joke in the book that now I probably take it to the extreme. So (laughs) being someone who's in a work environment and project management processes and all these, I would Mike likes to say, I try to work eyes him, you know, at times <laughs> a family can't be managed like the work, nope. but I do think there's a lot there. And when we talk about, even if you think about a resume, I mean, all the juggling that someone has to do with scheduling. And I really appreciate at the time I went through it, I wouldn't have said, I appreciated some things I learned from Mike, but I'll confess now, Sarah, <laughs> you know, something about Mike, where we had four kids and we ended up, we actually moved four times. So we had children born in different States. Oh my gosh. We joke around that with each time I got promoted, we were apart. And then all of a sudden we came back together and we had a child, you know? So So no more moving. (laughs) What are the ages of your, I should have asked this right out of the gates. What are the ages um, of the children? Yeah. One is 21 uh, girl. Number two is 19 girl. And they're both kind of out of the house college age. And then we have uh, two boys. One is 17 and one's 14. Okay. So for the most part, our children only know life with Mike being at home. The only reason our oldest knows about our wonderful daycare lady, Tammy, is because I tell her, thank goodness Tammy was in your life because you probably would have been more neurotic like your mom. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. So let's go into this whole idea of family management, because this is something I've talked about a lot on the show, which was so eye-opening for me and also made me extremely bitter for a while, that you have a baby. And my idea of having a baby was like, there's going to be things that I do as the mom, and especially early on, like when I'm breastfeeding and stuff, like there's going to be things that just by default have to be done by me. And then there's going to be things where your partner is hopefully supportive and has their role. But no one talks about this role of family manager and that there's kind of this overseeing of the household that has to start happening after a baby is born. And it just somehow by default, I think, and I have always said, I think it happens mostly to the mom. I think if you have a stay-at-home father situation, I'm sure a lot more of it trickles onto the dad. But I think it's whoever spends the most time at home with the child is where it is. But I think that even if you are a working mom, I think that there's a lot of those things that just by like society definition, like you said, your first year that you were like working, but also doing the grocery shopping and the meal plan and those kinds of things. And so tell us a little bit about your experience with this role of family management and how that has evolved over time for the two of you. Well, I'll start with that. You know, it was a gradual process for me, for sure. To start with, you know, I had expectations that I had for Corey, you know, I would have dinner ready at 6.30, she would be home on time, and she had expectations set on me that I was going to actually dust in the house. (laughs) And so, you know, it took some time for us to negotiate our roles. But one thing as the stay-at-home parent and the family manager, what I really tried to do is make it as stress-free as I could for her when she got home because I knew she had enough stress in her life. So whatever we'd been doing during the day, whether it's out on a play date or just 
you know, just trashing the house. I wanted to make sure that everything was kind of back in its place when she got home. You know, everything was done for the day. Dinner was hopefully on the table or at least close to that. The kids were either ready for baths because I know she always liked to give baths or whatever it was so that when she came home, there was not very much chaos going on in the house and she could just be with her babies. Yeah. But I do think that also happened later. Like at first, when I would come home, Mike was ready to just hand the kids over to me. He was like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> Done. Um, we joke around. That's kind of the witching hour, right? Before yeah, dinner is when totally. there's all that energy and hype. And we did have to negotiate. We also put the story in the book that we have some friends that are what I would say more of a traditional couple. We reference in there where Mike one day was, we were, <laughs> we were having a discussion, if you will. And he said to me, hey, at least I'm not like, you know, Rod, who when he goes home, he sits on the couch and waits for, you know, his wife to have everything ready. Mm-hmm. And I smiled and laughed. I said, you're right. You're definitely an involved dad. You do a lot. And I said, but in this case, I would be Rod and you'd be like his wife, Sylvia, who vacuums every day and does this or that. Mm-hmm. And so we really did have to negotiate. And again, you know, just to, to one counselor said to me, Corey, how important is dust to you? Really? I mean, <laughs> right. And so I, I also had to readjust because certainly I had some expectations and we had to negotiate that. Yeah. And so, you know, the kids will joke around even in the book that, you know, when Mike doesn't know what to make for dinner, the go-to dish is casseroles. <laughs> and even in the book, our kids write commentary because I think it's important to see their perspective yeah. too. So, and, uh, so, so they wrote about, yeah, there are times when we just got tired of dad's casseroles. And you can tell Mike when you're making dinner all day and these four kids look at you and you're like, what? You yeah, don't like, like dinner? Make your own dinner. <laughs> if you don't want my casserole, you can starve. <laughs> There's peanut butter and jelly. Go get the bread. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I also think it's important too for me, part of the reason that I wrote the stories, it was cathartic for me to think through funny things that happened. Like when I was stressed for a day, writing has always been just cathartic and releasing for me. And I think that there are times where I said, you know, a lot of times society makes, you know, the dad's the one that looks ridiculous. But I can tell you, Sarah, that I've been at a bunch of girlfriends and we're talking about our husbands like we normally do, not all the time, but they were just joking around and feeling frustrated. And I had to stop in the middle of it and say, oh my gosh, they're laughing about this guy forgetting the diaper bag. I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it wasn't my normal part of my routine. And so I also think it's important to help women say it's okay. Like, Yes, did I feel a bad mom at the moment, but have I gotten over it? But should I share that so that people realize that, hey, there's no perfect parenting here? Right. And you talk about that a lot too. So a lot of these stories we call misadventures because there are times where sometimes I look ridiculous, but I want to share those vulnerable stories so other people feel like they're not as stressed, they're not alone. And, you know, there have been times where I write about in the book that Mike and I are definitely opposites attract kind of couple. Mm -hmm. And- couldn't you tell that? <laughs> I, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, our first child came home at three years old from preschool, had a glowing report, except she wasn't cutting a straight line. And so Mike's there high-fiving her and it's great and great. And I'm like, oh, And you well, want her to work. practice this every day. You bet, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> and and so, I am right there with you. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> like, maybe should we have a schedule for practicing cutting straight lines? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And so I have to look back and appreciate a lot. And I do appreciate that, hey, Mike's an only child raised in a very traditional home. And the fact that he took on this. And one thing that's funny about us too is 
when it comes to physical injuries, Mike is much more nurturing than I am. Like I'm the kind of person, unless someone's bleeding or they have a high temperature, you're going to school. I mean, you have a sore stomach. Okay. Buck up camper. (laughs) And Mike is definitely the more nurturing one in that sense. Usually she left for work before the kids got sick. So (laughs) So it all worked out. Okay. Yeah. They they actually got to stay home. (laughs) So I think for us, it was embracing the fact that I, and I feel bad when our kids would fall and they'd hit their knee on, you know, scrape their knee on the ground. I could be two feet away, but they'd run to their dad. And of course, I'd look at the moms and say, really, I'm an okay mom. I'm a promise. Oh, that's so, funny. so Corey, have you gotten any like pushback or have you encountered situations where moms have, where you've butted heads with moms because you're really defying all the traditional stereotypes in terms of like, like you said, not being the super sympathetic mom and, you know, when a child hurts themselves and being at work and being the one to maybe push your child and all those things, like I love all these things and I love, and I actually want to touch on this a little bit, like kind of what you're role modeling to your children, but have you gotten pushback from other moms or been made to feel insecure about any of this? Yeah, I would say, I don't know that it was intentional for moms. I think it's still always that instinct of me wanting to be the best mom I can be. Right, right. And certainly one of my girlfriends who is a great stay-at-home mom, she said to me, oh, don't kid yourself, Cora. There's the mommy wars out there. You know, She goes, we don't like you and you don't like us. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, I don't really believe in that. It's not true. I recognize that happens. Right. For me, though, I know a lot of great stay-at-home parents. I just don't think I could do it, Sarah. Yeah. I just don't think I have the patience and temperament. And that's why I appreciate Mike doing that for our family. It worked out well for us. Yeah. We had decided that if it was best if we could do that for our family. And it worked out. We made some sacrifices to make that happen. But I know I, I went into a young woman at work who said to me, well, you don't understand what it's like to have a dual working couple because... Your husband stays home and our boss had a nanny. And and I said, no, I get it. Like there was a point for that year when Mike and I had a, at the beginning when we had daycare and we had to decide who was more sick that, you know, who, when your child is totally. sick, more, yeah, who has to make the trade-off. So right. I said, I understand that, but you know, every situation has trade-offs. As the working mom with a stay-at-home spouse, I've also missed my kids' birthdays. And mm-hmm. I'm not proud of that. I was traveling <laughs> for business that day, you know. I, I like that Mike laughs about this. <laughs> What a fun family memory. (laughs) Yeah. Right in the book that it was one year, I was talking to a girlfriend who was a a working mom in a stay-at-home dad situation, and she was going to be home that night for her child's birthday, but at like 7.30. And I called her. I said, only someone in the tribe can do and gave her a hard time, Um, which I shouldn't have done, Sarah, because honestly, I got home that night and realized not only would I miss my child's birthday itself, but I would be gone for three days before and after the birthday. Yeah. And so I decided that year I would just miss everybody's birthday on the calendar year. (laughs) Just to keep it fair. (laughs) Yeah, just to keep it fair for everybody, including my husband's birthday. So, yeah, so I think, you know, all in all, I think what you said, it took me a long time to write this and publish it because it was being vulnerable and and certainly people could poke fun at me, right? And there's going to be those haters out there. I think we all experience that. To me, though, it was this really aspect of paying it forward that there have been so many parents that have helped us. Yeah. And I really do want women to stay in the workplace. I do want yeah. women to, whether it's in the workplace or being an entrepreneur, and I just think it's important to have these conversations. Hey, mamas, I just wanted to pop in and tell you a little bit about our sponsor for today's show. Our sponsor is Aptive, and Aptive is an app that brings a personal trainer and awesome 
music right into your earbuds. So if you are someone who struggles getting to the gym for workouts, no worries because you can just go ahead, turn on your active app and have a personal trainer work with you right in your house. What I really love about active, one of my favorite things is that you can do workouts of any different length of time. So I use this a lot when I'm running. I think, okay, but do I want to do a 30 minute run, a 40 minute run, an hour long run? And I can pick a workout based on how long it is. So you can do the same thing at home. They have lots of different time options for workouts. So if you want a seven minute workout, you can pick that. If you want a 30 minute workout, you can pick that. If you want to go all balls to the walls and do an hour, go for it. So if you are looking for ways to incorporate exercise into your life quickly and easily and at your house, or if you want to just carry your buds to the gym and do the app while you're at the gym, you can do that too. Go to aptive.com. That's A-A-P-T-I-V.com and use the code SMA30 to get your free 30-day trial started now. Again, that's aptive.com SMA30. And go ahead and get started with Aptive today. Okay, I have to brag about my mastermind friends and mamas. So these women worked really hard over the course of six weeks to implement just small, simple changes into their life, but be consistent and show up and be accountable to what they say they want to do. And oh my gosh, they blew me out of the water. I am getting ready to launch my next program, my next mastermind group, and I want you to join me. So here's what one of the moms said. This is from Julie. Julie said, Sarah has brought together all the key lessons of personal life coach, business coach, fitness trainer, nutritionist, therapist, work colleague, mentor, and friend into one brilliant program that would otherwise take forever to complete on your own. But she wrapped it up into just a few weeks of mind-blowing personal growth. So thank you, Julie. I love that. And I really did try to bring together a lot of my different professions, past and present, to create a life-changing program. So if you are interested in participating in the next program with me, please shoot me an email at info at shamelessmom.com, and I will go ahead and make sure I get you all the information on our next program coming up in July. Again, email me at info at shamelessmom.com, and I will make sure to get you all the information you need as soon as we get started. So you can be part of this life-changing experience with me. All right, back to the show. Absolutely. And I love that you're just 100% owning all of it. I mean, the fact that you would sit here and say like missing kids' birthdays and all that stuff, I think that owning all of that is really, really crucial. And that's what's going to make you relatable and make people want to be part of your tribe. Mike, I want to ask you as well, (laughs) have you had pushback for your role in your family? And what has that been like for you? First of all, my family has been very supportive from day one. So I never had an issue with that. For the most part, I've been in mom playgroups and dad playgroups. Never had too many issues at all. I ran into one dad one time who was, he was a doctor. I had friended his wife because my kids were in the same dance class as his kids and talked every week with the mom. And we enjoyed our time together while they were in dancing. And then one day the dad came because mom was out of town. And this is literally the only bad experience I've really had. He said, how can you do this? There's no way I could feel valued doing this. Oh my gosh. You know, I think I handled it pretty well. And I said, I can respect your opinion. You know, not everybody is meant to be a stay-at-home parent. I love doing it. And I think the thing that I always reference is somebody told me one time that they're never going to write on my tombstone. He was such a dedicated, hardworking employee, right? It's all going to be about loving father, supportive husband. And and so, you know, I'm okay with that. And, you know, other dads that that we're friends with or, you know, I've met online and so forth have not had as many good experiences as I have. So I feel very fortunate in that sense. So it hasn't affected me at all. Maybe it comes from my getting over the ego piece of it 
and being okay, being a stay-at-home dad, that has influenced the good relationships and the good interactions that I've had. That's awesome. I think sometimes just owning the situation that you're in it almost kind of makes you like invincible. It gives you more power in the situation. So if you're just like, this is what I do and this is awesome and this is what works for us, then like it makes it something that other people aren't going to question. If you were like uncomfortable with it, then that would make it uncomfortable for other people. And I think that both of right. you are owning the position that you're in and you're like, this is what works for our family and it's, you know, it's our ideal situation. And then it makes it not questionable for other people because you're owning it. And so it's not something that's to be like, it can't be as easily judged, I think. Yeah, I think you've hit on it for us that that I would say there's probably times that we're just so used to our situation that sometimes we laugh when we um, write a story in the book about our daughter was when she was probably about three or oldest was at the zoo. She and my sister were looking at a a large giraffe and a smaller giraffe. And my sister said, oh, look at the mommy and baby having lunch. And she said, she said, that's not the mommy. The mommy's at work. That's the daddy and baby having lunch. And, you know, for us, it was funny because we almost went to correct her, right? And we're like, whoa, what are we thinking? (laughs) And so I think for us, and not that we haven't experienced it, I think sometimes when I've been in a situation, we, we laugh when we had to go to business dinners, it was almost like, we could relate to the other group, you know, like Mike's with the women who are there and I, yeah. And so just sometimes we have those awkward situations, but I think for us, you're right. We just have accepted that. And so sometimes we have to, when we come into situations, we're like, oh, that's right. That's what it would be like if we were in the other situation. (laughs) What are your kids' perspective on the family roles or the parental roles and gender roles in your household? And how do you think that will impact them in their own journey into adulthood? Yeah, this was for me the biggest fear because there were no longitudinal studies when we started this. And there's a lot of great studies about dads being involved in kids' lives, especially girls. And yeah. and so I love that piece of it. But we didn't really have any longitudinal research on an at-home dad, especially being the primary giver for most of their lives, right? All their lives. There was one point where, of course, when the kids are teenagers, where my girls said, we don't want to be like you. We want to be there for our kids. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, You know, I think there are those moments in time. I would say they've differed over time now. Like it's Mm -hmm. funny, I'll bring that up. And they're like, well, we don't remember that. And what I said to them is like, whatever you do, just be the best at it. If you are in a situation where you can, I mean, let's face it, to have one spouse at home is a luxury anyway. It's a privilege to have that. So I want to recognize that, that there's so many working families out there that really have to work. We could afford that. And that was wonderful for our family. And so I just said, if you can do that, then just be the best at whatever you're going to do. And I have to admit, though, Sarah, that hurt. I just said, oh, my gosh, I've been championing for this. And then my girls are saying, what? We don't want to be like you. We want to be there for our kids all the time. And it's interesting. Our boys, I think you can tell what the boys went through, Mike. Yeah. You know, my boys, regardless, they're boys to the nth degree. You know, they like their sports. They want to talk about sports. They like to play soccer and baseball. You know, I've I've got one that's passionate about dance and he's been rocking that out for like 10 years now. And they're total boys and it's great. You know, our youngest did want to be an at-home dad for a while. Yeah, he wanted to be a photographer and an at-home dad. Which were things that Mike did. But now I would say, Sarah, now he's not sure. (laughs) And what I hope that we've done is just let them know that, look, don't let society define what your roles are. You know, I think that's my whole thing is, is decide what's best for you and whatever you decide to do, do it to the best of your ability. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Yeah. What have some of your biggest parenting challenges been, and how have you tackled them? I think it's really been these teenage years. <laughs> I often say that when the kids were younger, they're physically demanding, and that's certainly sure for sure. I think the different parenting styles we have, I'm definitely, the kids will say I'm intense. That's the way to describe me. <laughs> and what they mean by that is when I notice a problem, I go in and try to fix it right away. And so I'll probe for questions, probe. And Mike is much more relaxed in letting them talk to him. And I think what happens is when he's with them all the time, he has more what I feel like he has more of that luxury to wait for them to come to him mm -hmm. because I was only home at certain windows. I'm like, no, we got to solve this now. Yeah. I don't think that worked, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why the kids called me tense, but I, I do think that it is really working through. I, my mom always had to remind me, Corey, look, these kids, because when my daughter would say to me, I don't know how I feel, it would drive me crazy. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know how you feel. Yeah. You just yelled at me about this and that. And and my mom would just remind me, they really don't know how they feel. They're going through all these teenage hormones and growing. And so I do think adjusting to those teenage years has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. And then Mike was gracious to me earlier. I have to admit that Mike would make dinner at 630 and I rarely was on time for dinner. And I would often call him at 530 and say, I'm not going to be home till seven. And I think really managing through schedules and figuring out how to work that out. And Mike's silent, but he's just being nice to me. I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say the first year, and you mentioned the early years, the first year after my son was born, if my husband would tell me that he was going to be home at 530 or six or whatever, like it didn't so much matter the time. It was like, if he was not home by that time, you know, if he said six o'clock and it was 601, I would be like hysterical because you really set your mind to like make it like that's your finish line for the day. So you set your mind to like, I just have to make it until whatever this time is. So it's not so significant as to what the time is, is that you were like looking for that relief at a certain time or maybe companionship at a certain time or whatever the case may be. And there is a threshold, like you get to the end of your sprint of a day and you're like, I got nothing left. Like I do not have another 30 seconds of this in me. Um, and I think that my husband really struggled with that where he's like, it was 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you don't know what 10 minutes feels like at this time of day. I think I had successfully blocked those memories from my, <laughs> my bank. But now that you're bringing them up, yes. <laughs> My mom tells me that there's like parenting amnesia. Like she goes, I don't really remember like you ever crying when you were a baby. I'm like, because my son was a screamer. And then she, and she says things like this. And she's like, I don't remember. Like I was also awful to my sister. And my mom will be like, I don't really remember it being that bad. And I'm like, I remember like, I remember trying to hit my sister with very intense intentions of leaving marks on her. But my mom yeah. is like, oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I'm like, it was awful. So I think that as your children get older and they prove themselves in the world and like you just have a different perspective and the same thing with you two, like as your relationship has evolved and you've made it through different things, you probably like you feel so much stronger as a unit that you, when you look back, you're just like, oh, it was just, you know, water under the bridge. No big deal. 
Yeah, you know what's interesting you say that too, and I want to be conscious of that because I think it's easy to sound like it's easy now, but I would say one of the big things when what you think of is, I think one of the hardest things to do as parents is really aligning yeah. on behaviors and the hardest thing, and I would say we weren't perfect at it, but what we tried to do is really to make sure that like, you know, if I didn't agree with what Mike did discipline wise, I would try to hold my tongue and then talk to him later about it, yeah. but we weren't always perfect about that, right? And that's, I think that's really hard because of course, especially when I was traveling a lot, you know, I think Mike and the four kids just lived their own life. And when I came in, I was like a guest yeah. in the house. you know. Yeah. And so I would try to assert myself and they would all be like, whoa, 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 who is this? And so negotiating that really did become a challenge because there's a time where I traveled quite a bit yeah, um, for work. There was. You're right. So, and I get the impression you're not a good person who has a strength when it comes to holding your tongue. I'm not either. (laughs) So, because I've heard that too. Like, if you like let the parent who's doing the discipline like do their thing, and then you can like talk it out later. And I'm always like, "Uh, but uh," I'm right there with you. And it's hard. Our oldest child is really good. Actually, we write about our two girls are pretty good about being mirrors and they're pretty respectful. But there are times when I remember when my oldest was even nine and she would come to me later and say, I don't agree with how you discipline number two. And it's interesting to hear their perspective and, you know, and to be able to take it. And I think I wanted the kids to always feel that way. But as you know, there are times where I'm like, oh, you don't understand. And I didn't want to go into those depths of explaining, you know, right. what their dad said to me before or, you know, or how that all works. So I definitely think, you know, when we talk about the chaos, I definitely think family is chaos. There's no other way to describe it. And I think it's just managing in the chaos and finding what works for you. And that doesn't mean there's one way. And I think that's for us what has been really enlightening. And what I just want to applaud you for in the whole shameless mom piece is that being that transparent and vulnerable Mm -hmm. about what it's really like. Mm -hmm. So that other people don't feel so stressed. Right. What is your best advice for parents who feel overwhelmed by parenthood? And I would love to hear this from both of you because I'm sure your experiences and feeling overwhelmed are really different because you were like in it hours on end all day long, day in, day out, Mike. And then you were coming home at the end of the day, Corey, and probably wanting to like have your say in things. So what's your advice for parents who feel overwhelmed in parenting? I think the first thing that I would say, and and I didn't come to this willingly, to be honest with you, but being organized in, in every aspect of my day, once I was organized, it allowed me to zag zig as the day went along because I knew I had my list. I knew what I was working through. I knew if I couldn't handle this before naps and I could do this instead and knew what how my day was going to play out. So being organized is the biggest advice that I can give. Yeah, and you can find something to argue with or fight with your kids about. <laughs> virtually every hour of every day. I just choose my battles too. I just decided on those things. Where am I going to put my foot in the sand and, you know, I'm not crossing this barrier. And what are the things that the kids are just doing right now because they're kids? Like maybe potty talk Um, has to be ignored. (laughs) This is my crush. Like when every other world is poopy butt and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I like, how can I wage war on potty talk? (laughs) Exactly. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like not a big deal. Right. And that your battles are going to be different depending on your family and who you are as a parent and what your priorities are. Right. So. And I'll give credit to Mike that he did that much better than I did. So I'm the kind of mom that if they were going to church and I wanted a pink hair bow in the hair, that it was going to go in the hair. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I wasted a lot of time, Sarah, arguing with a three-year-old over that pair bow. (laughs) (laughs) So Corey, what's your advice then for parents who feel Uh, overwhelmed? 
So my advice, and I'll say this, and again, my mother who's passed is probably rolling her grave when I say this laughing, because for mine, it's, it's really breathe. Okay. That her, My mom had a saying, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And I can embrace that my kids call me intense. I'm, I get that. <laughs> and what I learned early on is that, you know, we can get caught up in the moment and the current situation and whether it's kids interacting with friends or your kids not getting a part they wanted or all this stuff. And I really think kids recover a lot quicker than parents do. Yeah. And I think these moments pass and it's both from, you know, they pass fast. You're like, to your point, your, your mom had amnesia. My mom did too. She would forget those things. She goes, Oh, but it's so cute. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's not cute. It's annoying. Oh, yeah. you'll miss that someday, you know? And so I even made bookmarks for our book called parent Time Out. And I do think that for us parents, I wish I would have learned this early on that there are probably times where I should have put myself in a timeout and just breathed Yeah, and then come back and readdress the situation because the next day will happen and your kids will be fine. And yeah. that's anything else I'd say they will turn out. Okay. Even if they use potty talk right now or whatever <laughs> it is, they'll be okay. <laughs> that's true. Mike, do you have any specific tips on organization? I want to just step back for a minute. Like, was that for you, like having a schedule day to day or having like lists or post-it notes or was there were there any like specific tactics that you used or was it just having kind of a general sense of organization so that things were more predictable no not a general sense it can't be general for me okay everything has to be laid out so but you learn that over time yeah oh yeah (laughs) before he got to this point (laughs) okay we don't have to go into that Uh, so back in the day when they had the franklin planners I had that. And then at the same time, I was also carrying one of those first little organizers as well. So I'd have a backup to my backup and anything I could do to stay organized with a schedule. You know, I usually had stuff planned out for our kids during the day. So that all would go on the schedule. Nap times would go on the schedule. Okay everything that I could would go on there just to help me tackle my days. I love that. Yeah. You had four kids that were in different activities, right. different things, different so nap times. That, that, Some of them exactly. probably yeah, not napping. Different nap times, yeah. yep. and for those of you who don't know what a Franklin planner is, this is back when, <laughs> when planners were like all, it was like a little paper, like a little notebook. Yeah. It was like a notebook though. And it was broken. It was like broken up by hour, right? Yes. Like a week yeah. you would open it up and it would be a full week, but it was every day was broken up hour to hour. So yeah, I think that's such a great idea because that gives you that specificity and it keeps everything just super structured in your mind. I also like, I maintain the pen and paper calendars like that can be really helpful because you can get like that week at a glance kind of a thing where you can like just visually see like where your blocks of time are. I think it's a lot different than what you're looking at on your phone when you're just popping up one day at a time. We actually also have like one of those print out calendars that we go through and write down, you know, long-term what are our conflicts? We, we try to schedule in our family vacations based around our kids' conflicts, especially now with them, the boys in high school and, and the girls with their college schedules. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. really important to make sure you plan out. You can't just look at a day or a week or even a month at a time, but the whole year is really important so you can kind of plan everything out. Right. Well, we've had many mistakes happen along the way. Like just the last two years, we printed out the school calendar because we'd have everything planned. And all of a sudden, Mike and I would look at each other. And I'm like, wait a minute, the kids are off school today? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like to paint a more rosy picture and she likes it <laughs> uh, like it is. Just, just the opposite than in the book, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So tell me how, Mike, how you're a shameless dad. And then Corey, we'll hop over to you. And I want to know how you're a shameless mom. Well, 
again, we talked, I talked about earlier, my ego getting in the way of, you know, first starting out as a stay at home dad and finally letting go of that ego and saying, Hey, you know what? This is what I was meant to do. I'm good at it. And I'm, I'm okay living in my skin and being a stay at home dad, taking care of my kids. And I think that is what being a shameless dad is all about and not caring what anybody else thinks or feels or, you know, the looks or whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm doing it because I love my kids and I don't want someone else to raise them. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Corey, how are you and, a shameless mom? Yeah, for me, it's being vulnerable and transparent. It's about that being not burying that face makeup and just telling telling it like it is and being willing to share stories about forgetting the diaper bag or thinking my child at three years old would sit down and cut perfectly five lines with <laughs> me and, and all those things that I'm fine if people laugh at and with me, if it makes them feel better that they're not alone. Okay. I love it. So I want to hop over to our shameless mommy and shameless daddy lightning round here in just a minute. But first I want you to tell everyone, where can we find the two of you? Where can we find your book and anything else you want to point us to? Great. So thank you for that. So our book is on Amazon and um, Zagzig is one word if you look it up. So it's Zagzig Parenting. And we also have a website called ZagzigParenting.com with all the information on there. Great. So you can also order the books through your website. Yes. Perfect. So show notes for this episode. If you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 136, all the links will be right there. So if people want to pop over there to get your, their hands on the book and get in touch with Corey or Mike and learn more about what they're up to. Are you guys ready for the lightning round? Sure. Are you going first, Mike? All right. Let's do, I'll read the question and then Mike, you can answer. Then Corey, you can answer. Okay. And then we'll go to the next question. So first question, what is your favorite way to treat yourself? Fantasy sports. Popcorn. Excellent. I love that those are like totally (laughs) different genres. Um, What is the current book you're reading or the last one you read? It's called Zagzig Parenting. (laughs) Been doing a lot of editing and reading back and forth. So we've been spending a lot of time in that book lately. Got it. And I just finished reading Light in the Dark by Marla Benjamin, a local author. Nice. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? Diet Mountain Dew. Really? First okay, thing in the morning? morning? Yes. Oh my gosh. Never coffee. Yeah. Just Diet Mountain Dew. Oh it can be 20 degrees outside and it's a cold Diet Mountain Dew. I have a good friend who used to wake up and have a Diet Coke first thing in the morning. And she was like super like health nut. She's like, I know this is horrible to get up and drink Diet Pop in the morning. She like could not stop doing it. And I was like, don't you want something like warm and like comforting? And she's like, this is my comfort. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's probably not something to be proud about, but I'm proud about it. Well, but you know what? Here you are. You're owning it, though. So if you're owning it, yeah, no, one, no one can give you a hard time. Corey, what's totally yours? Totally owning it. So mine is prayer. Prayer first thing in the morning. Again, I oh, love it. Wow. I'm glad she went second on that one. <laughs> so profound. Uh, <laughs> Who is your biggest inspiration? You know what? I would say twofold. Those dads that were before me staying home, there were a group of them and I look to them. And I'm also looking at these dads now and all the stuff they're doing, staying home, they're starting blogs, they're doing podcasts, they're out there on social media like crazy. Um, So both those groups are just really inspirational to me. And that's a lot of what you're doing. I mean, all of the contact for this interview and everything leading up to this was all from you coming from Corey's email. Like you were the manager of the whole thing, which I was noting that, Mike. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. <laughs> so you are in it. And Corey, who's your biggest inspiration, Corey? And I would say, well, we didn't copy these answers. Mine is the parents that came before us. The parents that actually, when I was freaking out, told me it would be okay. And, and there are many, many people like that in my life. Love it. Nice. If you could give all moms once or so I'll say, Mike, if you could give all dads one superpower, what it, would it be? And then Corey, if you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be? All right. Well, my superpower for all dads would be understanding what their wives are thinking at all times. Oh, that's a good one. I wear my emotions on my sleeve, so it's not hard for my husband. Yeah. Well, I do too, but he still can't I figure still it can't out. Figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my husband, he'll be like, so I know you're mad, but I'm not sure what you're mad about. Yeah. So when you're ready to let me know. Unless your husband gets that superpower, Sarah, it may be a long go. <laughs> and Corey, what's yours? And mine would be for all moms to be able to shut off our minds for a period of time and be present. I say to my husband, I used to get frustrated when he would say to me, he's thinking of nothing and he truly is. And I said, how does someone do that? How do you just sit and think of nothing? And so whether it's meditation or just being able to shut off our minds to be able to enjoy and be, I would love to learn that power myself and have others have that. I totally agree. So Corey, I think it's a type A thing. It might, might, I mean, it might be a mom thing, but it might just be a type A thing. I struggle with the exact same thing. True, true, true. (laughs) Thank you both so much. This has been really fun. And I really appreciate you both spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy today. And I give you huge kudos to everything that you've done and sharing your experiences and really owning your positions in parenting. I think that that's, it's really positive and really powerful. And I know that your story is going to help other parents as they pave their way in shaping their family stories. So thank you for being here today. Well, Sarah, thank you for letting us highlight it and sharing the story. We really appreciate it and really applaud the work you're doing on The Shameless Mom. It's awesome. Thank you so much for spending time in the Shameless Mom Academy today with Corey and with Mike and with myself. I hope you enjoyed it. If this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So a new show is always just around the corner. If you want to never miss an episode which I know you don't, go ahead and go over to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you right into our iTunes show page where you can hit the little subscribe button so that every time we release a new episode, you automatically get the download. So make sure that you do that while you're there. You can also leave a quick little review to let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you thought of this interview. That is always so, so helpful. Your feedback really does fuel the show and helps me know what you love and what you want more of. So I really appreciate you taking the time to just leave a sentence or two while you're over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. So thank you for listening. Thank you for spending time with us. I hope you learned something. I hope you are inspired. And as always, feel free to share this episode. If you go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 136, you can get a link for this that you can send out to all of your networks so that you can share with other moms how to be a little bit more shameless every day. So I hope you have a fantastic day. And no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? 
And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.